welcome to the episode 50 of so lead saturday the guest we have today beth canter she is an author virtual facilitator trainer and is internationally recognized thought leader in digital transformation and well-being in the workplace with over 35 years of providing capacity building for non-profits and foundations she named one of the most influential women in technology by east Com- fast company and one of the business weeks voices of innovation beth is the co-author of the award winning network non-profit books and the happy healthy non-profit strategies for impact without burnout her clients include packard foundation resilience initiative bill and melinda gates foundation save the children counterpart international the robert wood johnson foundation and others i am really very eager and excited to listen more from her so let's just welcome her and hear more about her career journey how did she find her area of interest and managing to lead that so welcome beth and very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show oh thank you so much for inviting me and joining uh joining to uh to be here thank you so much and pleasure is all mine moving towards our first first segment or the first section is about passion and interest so your profile is completely along towards this non-profit digital transformation and you know workplace well-being mm-hmm. so how did you find your interest in the digital transformation and ai field and what steps did you take to pursue your passion oh that's a great question and i always like this question because it makes me have to think back a long time of you know from when i first got started which was a really long uh time ago i um actually started off um being trained to be a classical uh musician and when i decided that i wasn't going to have a career in performance i found that there was opportunities to help with musical nonprofits and that's where i got my first job it was in fundraising and i i just had an open mind to learn as i go um and i as i and i love learning and it makes me very excited and then always something new pops up So I have had a really kind of different type of journey and I've sort of just followed my interests and think and opportunities have come to me. So initially it was music and then went to work with music nonprofits in fundraising uh, for the Boston Symphony and then went off and I decided I wanted to the experience of being a managing director of a smaller um music organization I did that. I got to learn everything <laughs> from board development, fundraising, marketing, everything. And then I did a lot of consulting. That's but mostly around strategic planning and marketing and fundraising and from there it was just maybe a few years into my career and it was at the very early stages of the internet there was a a job um and project at the New York Foundation for the Arts um and it was called Artswire and it was an online network for artists. So I applied for the job even though I didn't know the technology but I was very just enthralled with it. And so from there I kind of made this career about learning about the technology and helping nonprofits embrace it and adopt it. So that was kind of digital transformation and I'd say in the last 6 years we're learning more about um the negative impact that technology can have personally and also within organizations and that's where I um really got interested in this kind of workplace well-being piece of it. technology is a part of it but there's other things. So summing up it's kind of like I've I've been lucky that I follow my in- interests and my passion and the opportunities come. Oh that's great actually and thank you so much for sharing because mm-hmm. 
definitely useful to see somebody transform their career and you know uh, leading that area of interest so thank you so much moving towards our next section is about questions from the audience so the first question that we have is like you know what is digital transformation and is it something related to adapting new technologies in the organization you know, digital transformation, I, it's a term that's often used. I see it in the business sector. It's also used in the nonprofit sector. And what it means is that, um, uh, you know, going from manual processes or paper processes in an organization to do the work to digital to digital. And it's been many years of transformations for uh, nonprofits, as you can imagine, because it's not always an easy step because it requires, you know, uh, resources, expertise, and getting comfortable with the technology. Um, one way to think about it is as a journey and, um, and, and that organizations go on this journey to look at how can we improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of our programs or our fundraising or whatever it is by um, uh, embracing the use of different technology tools um, and the internet. So that's really what it's about. Um, and I've really been, you know, when I came across that term, it's like, oh, that's what I do because that's what I've been working in for the last 25 years. Um, helping nonprofits grapple and understand whatever new technology is emerging um, and how to, and how and when and best ways to apply it. Thank you so much. And definitely, actually, sometimes it, it is misunderstood that it is just adapting the new technology. But as you mentioned, it is the journey to transform the organization. So definitely that makes sense because... Um, uh, sometimes people just think that, you know, getting the new tools in the organization or something that means digital transformation. Yeah, we have this, uh, I have a term for it, it's called shiny object syndrome. We just say, oh, this is a cool tool. And that's not what digital transformation is. It's really being strategic mm -hmm. and impactful about your choice of technology tools. Thank you so much. And uh, the second question that we have is that, what is an effective strategic usage of digital communication? Oh, wow. That's such a big topic. <laughs> um, and I, I address a lot of that in my books, but I think um, the most important thing before you get into whatever tools you're using for digital communication, whether that be social media or uh, social advertising or email or artificial intelligence or machine learning, whatever that is, you really have to think about your results and how you're going to measure your results. Um, and you also want to think about um, the, the capacity that you need to, to execute on a, a strategy like that. And then uh, the, the strategies and depending on like specifically what you're trying to achieve, you know, there's storytelling um, with social media, there's leveraging of networks. Um, so, so you want to make sure that you've spent some time planning and thinking about your strategy before you just run off and do things. And then you want to have a consistent kind of regular plan for implementation um, especially, especially with things like social media, because you need to have a content plan, you need to have a calendar, you need to um, have a consistent pres presence. And, you know, um, you really need to be organized. Um, and it needs to be thought out. And it also needs to be measured because um, that helps you figure out what not to do. And it also helps you make the case for any senior leadership about like, why are we doing this? <laughs> what are the results? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So you are uh, more over like uh, the way I understood it is that it's kind of a cycle that you come up with the strategy and then you plan for its execution. Um, so 
that it uh, the way you mentioned about the social media as well that you have to come up with the strategy that how effective you are going to be uh, keep your presence on the social media so uh, a couple of things that you mentioned that like you know being consistent or organized those are the major to achieve that so thank you so much for sharing and uh, this time onwards we are introducing the fun segment in the interview so we have the third segment which is the fun segment and i'm going to give you three words and you have to tell me what comes to your mind immediately so okay just like a abstract thing uh, you don't okay much but you have to just immediately tell me what comes to your mind so are you ready yes the first word is that it is associated with your uh, profile actually the first word is influencer okay so influence right influence Okay, influencer. Oh, okay. So influencer is a really important term when you think about um, your social media strategy because there are people out there that have networks of people, some of them really big, maybe some not so big, but there are people who are uh, aligned around a particular idea or a particular person. And it's really important to think about influencers in terms of your social media strategy. Yeah. So our second word is author. Author, okay. Um, well, I, I always think my bookshelf up there. Um, I, I do say in my tagline that I am a trainer, virtual facilitator, and author. I've written a number of books. Um, and I think about like being an author. You know, I didn't come into writing books naturally. Um, I sort of fell into it. And what, what it is, it, it takes terrific discipline, much like my music career did, and learning an instrument. And it is also a learning experience too, because you, you know, one thing leads to another, you find out about something and then you interview somebody else and it, it builds. So I found that um, when I have been writing in writing book mode, I, I, it's also learning mode, which is something that I'm very excited about. Constant learning. <laughs> That's great actually. And the third word that we heard like, you know, multiple times from your uh, uh, answers, which is strategy. Yeah, strategy. Well, you know, I think about chess. <laughs> uh, it just sort of came to mind, maybe because there's that show on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit, and I just finished binging on it. But strategy, and you know, with a chess game, like there's a, it's not just chance or improvising. There's a lot of thought that you know, if I move my piece this way, it's going to cause these particular reactions. So strategy is about kind of thinking ahead. Um, so that's what comes to mind: chess and thinking ahead. Thanks. Thank you so much. Actually, it was really very insightful because it is very hard when it comes to explaining some big terms into the short kind of abstract content. So thank you so much for sharing. Moving towards our next section is about exploring your career and work as well as the volunteering that you do. So the first question that we have under that section is that you wrote, co-wrote the book, the book a non-profit which became a runaway profit, non-profit hit, and measuring the network, non-profit, winner of 2013 Terry McAdam non-profit <laughs> award. In 2016 also, you published the Happy Healthy Non-Profit book. Would you like to share some insights about it so that audience will, you know, take on those books as well? Sure. So I'll start with my last book, The Happy Healthy Non-Profit, Strategies for Impact Without Burnout. And that book... I, you know, in my time in the nonprofit career, I've worked with many different people and I was observing this thing where people are just working very hard and burning themselves out. And it was almost like a mindset, like you have to work hard to achieve results and you have to be working all the time and, and a lot of toxic kind of cultures inside organizations. And my feeling is that 
that you really need to pace yourself and to, and to incorporate resilience and personal resilience and work-life balance so that your organization can achieve those goals. We talk a lot about what we want to achieve, but we don't place as much emphasis on how we go about doing it. So um, as I thought about this, and I have had my own experience with burnout and getting back on track, I thought this, you know, I wanted to write a book on it. <laughs> and um, so, so I did, did spend a lot of time researching the topic, looking at um, secondary research that was out there and also interviewing hundreds of people in the field. And so the book is really about three things. First, it's a manifesto for change. We need to change our mindsets that, you know, taking time for a break is not goofing off. It's helping us refill our energy so we can keep working and, and getting those results. And that there's two paths towards that. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to do things for ourselves. And then we have to bring that into our organizations because we spend so much time at work and, um, and it's really around the culture is really about the way we work together and that environment we create. And even with COVID and all of us working remotely, you can have a, a resilient ro uh, remote culture as well. So I've been talking a lot about that. So it's those three things. It's kind of like taking a break is not goofing off. So you need to take, reset your mind and think about a break as helping you work more effectively and do things for yourself, like get enough sleep, eat the right foods, practice mindfulness. There are things that are in your control that you, you can do. Um, and then also ways that you can incorporate this into your team. That's great, actually. And I have, I have like, you know, viewed your profile as well as the social media or the open profiles that are there. There is a lot more to explore about your career journey. But with the time, <laughs> I was going to the next question about the career journey, uh, like, you know, some of the highlights of your career journey. So you're working on one project, AI for Giving. A research paper on the potential of artificial intelligence to scale up giving and generosity, co-authored with Alison Fine and supported by the Gates Foundation. So would you like to share more about that project? Um, sure. It's at AI, AI for giving, but that's the four, uh, dot org. And Alison and I co-wrote the network nonprofit, which was at the very early stage of social media adoption. And so we've sort of made a career of kind of together collaborating on projects where we kind of anticipate what's the next technology and what's going to be the impact, what are the things we need, you know, what's the power of it and what are the things we need to, you know, be aware of. And, um, and usually with a disruptive technology that's going to have, you know, lots and lots of uh, change in the way you do your work and um, social norms, if you will, um, the adoption curve looks like a hockey stick. Okay, so kind of like this. <laughs> I can't do it. But and so there's the heel of the hockey stick. Um, and then it goes up. All right. And so we're at that point right now with artificial intelligence. And it's already here. It's in our lives. It's, you know, if you watch a movie on Netflix, you've interacted with artificial intelligence, because that's what is beneath the recommendation. Um, engine. So as we started to look at this, we realized that, you know, this is an opportunity for the nonprofit sector really to leverage this technology um, specifically in the giving area to like uh, leverage donor relationships and increase the donor retention rate. But it also comes with its kind of ethical challenges. Um, and we think that the nonprofit sector should take get the lead on it. I mean, we know what's happened uh, with social media and some of the, the challenges around that. Um, but we think we can get ahead of it. So the report 
Um, we've been studying um, the impact of AI and machine learning on the nonprofit and social change field broadly. So we've been looking at it. What is the impact on programs? What's the impact inside the office? And this last report really takes a deep dive into um, uh, what it looks like for giving and fundraising. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think in the next couple of years, um, if not even more accelerated than that, it's, it, it's going to have dramatic impacts in the nonprofit sector, especially as we recover from the shock of the pandemic. Um, and uh, one of the benefits that artificial intelligence can provide is something we call the artificial intelligence dividend, <laughs> in that it, um, the technology can do some of the uh, manual grunt work tasks, like analyzing large swaths of data, um, even faster and better than humans. Um, so that's going to free up the human's time or the fundraiser's time to really focus on the donor. So, um, and that's what the dividend is. Um, when we also think about artificial intelligence, there's a lot of, you know, perceptions, oh, the robots are going to take our jobs and it's evil. Uh, that's not true. We are proposing augmentation and uh, looking for places where the technology can do some of that grunt work and free up the, the staff member's time or allow lean staff, you know, lean staff, fewer numbers of staff, you know, uh, which is happening, uh, to be able to get more done with less. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for sharing. And as you mentioned that, you know, it, it will remove the fear of the people as well, because a lot of people are like, you know, uh, think that AI will steal their job. Uh, but it is more over like it's going to be a help, helping hand as well. At least in the nonprofit sector. I mean, one of the things that I did notice uh, that we, did, we are seeing with COVID, um, robots, robotics, which is a part of the artificial intelligence technologies. There's a lot of them. We're seeing, you know, robots that are now going into grocery stores and doing some of the cleaning because it reduces human contact. Okay. And that was somebody's job. So we're going to have to like revisit that ethical dilemma. But I think in terms of nonprofits and fundraisers, the, the fundraiser's job is very human oriented or should be. Um, it's really about um, establishing that a relationship with the donor. And that's not going to be replaced by, you know, a technology or an algorithm or something. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And you already gave a couple of advice actually uh, during when we were exploring your passion or interest as well. You mentioned how your journey or the career journey evolved and along the journey, how did you learn? So next segment is about tips and advice to the people actually who are actually looking to get into this field or trying to grow in this particular field. Oh, that's great. Um, well, hmm. follow, follow your interests mm -hmm. and uh, be helpful. And, um, you know, it is also about working hard. Um, you know, I, somebody used to, some, uh, a friend of mine from 30 years ago who had a, a joke because I was early on in the uh, internet and like was helping organize nonprofits build websites when it was first developing back in the 90, 1990s. And a friend of mine called me, you're the hardest working woman on the internet. <laughs> it's kind of a joke. Um, and, and so, yeah, work hard because um, that's, and, and that's how you master and that's how you get knowledge and that's how you learn and share your learning and be generous. To, to me, um, also, I have a, this glorious network um, and building a network isn't about connecting with people and asking them for favors all the time. It's really about how can I be helpful, mm -hmm. right? And, being, and having reciprocity. Um, and then people will turn and help you even without asking. 
So I think that was one of the most important earliest lessons I've learned um, probably about 25 years ago. I was, I was just always like, I want to, I want to, I want to learn. I want to help you. What can I do? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, moving towards the end of this show is last segment, which is leadership. So you are truly leading your area of interest and uh, what is your leadership style? Any specific leader that you always follow or admire for and why? Uh, you know, that's such a great question. One of the, um, well, I'm a huge fan of network leadership, which is really about self-organizing. It's not about top-down control and micromanaging people. I really, I like to be the guide on the side um, and set up for people to be successful um, without actually doing the work for them or without micromanaging them. Um, so I call it like shared leadership, co-leadership is another word. Um, and, and sort of making the, the space and whatever they need to be successful. Thank you so much. And I really learned from this episode and hope the audience will also enjoy and learn something from it. And it will be beneficial for their career journey as well. A couple of keywords that I will take away from this episode is that, you know, uh, be hardworking, be generous and be helpful to others. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show. I really enjoyed interacting with you. So thank you so much. And as I always say, until we meet, happy leading. Let's lead together. Stay safe. Bye for now. Great. Thank you.